Ibaka sends it to Leonard. Leonard now. Jay, and it's good. Yeah, you know, it was going to take time to get my rhythm, but I felt great being out there and just being able to compete, like I said before. Um, just having fun. Leonard to Green. Clock down. The three is good from Vancouver. Yeah, it was important just for me, just getting acclimated to the team. Like I was saying, uh, in-game play calls, seeing what, what um, everyone does on the floor. So it was important. Leonard in the paint, step through, left hand, and Kawhi Leonard with the finish. It helps a lot because um, you're doing in-game situations. You're seeing what we're really going to do on the floor, play calls. Also, uh, another NBA team that's been scouting you. So uh, just things like this is just going to keep getting this better. Toronto Raptors with fans getting on their feet here in Vancouver. And the appreciation for the NBA. What's up, everybody? This is Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. And wherever you catch your podcasts, I'm J.D. Bunkus. And I'm wearing a hoodie and some jeans. And the man sitting across from me is wearing a very... Beautiful suit. It's one I haven't seen you in before. Yeah, double-breasted? It is double-breasted, and, yeah. uh, and you're saying that with a question mark, but you can see it. Yeah, I know. I actually needed a meal to buzz in my ear to, to get that down properly. But yeah, it looks great. I've never seen it. It's brand new, right? It's not brand new, but it's black. And you're not supposed to wear black suits on air. They suck the light out of the studio. So that's why you've never seen it in this building. So you are going to an award show. You are the guest of Twitter, which is... Quite impressive, I gotta say, because Twitter, big time organization, big time social media app, and they chose you to go to what is the award ceremony you're going to tonight? It's a gala. Oh, for, gala. I'm sorry. For, for uh, my mistake, sir. Well, one, no one cares about this. Oh. Literally, no one cares. It's a gala for uh, journalism for human rights, something that I don't do, which is why for I'm not human winning. Rights. Correct. Which is why I'm not winning. Who do award. they think you are? I don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. Listen, I, I should get an award for human rights just having to put up with you on That's this podcast. That's not true. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm an easy guy to work with. I'm negotiating with a terrorist while, yeah. while we talk about so sports. So I like your pocket. What's it called? Square? What's that called, thing called that you put out of the pocket there? Pocket square. Yeah. yeah, it is a pocket square. It's very like you were like, I dressed down. I wore the black, but Here's my real side. Here's my true colors popping out of the pocket. Can't contain it all. Well, wearing black isn't dressing down. If anything, it would be dressing up. Like ah, you know what I meant, more though. Fan- like black ties. Yeah. The phrase for you being more fancy than normal. Yeah, but everybody's seen you on Twitter, and they've seen all your suits, and they've seen you on TV, and they've seen you wearing... You like to go with purple a lot. You crush That's the purple suit. That's not true at all. You like, you like to wear the grape suit. Uh, what else do you got? Grape. Isn't yeah, that purple? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the grape suit, the I purple have, suit. I have one suit that is like vaguely purple. Yeah, I got two so I suits. I don't know about purple a lot. I got two suits that I can actually wear. I think you have probably a thousand? No, I can always use more. Okay, so the Raptors played their first preseason game. This much, is a Raptors podcast after important. all. And by the way, we do have the Free Association fan mailbag coming up. Thank you to everyone that tweeted in. That went to the iTunes comments. I promised you that I would read the iTunes comments, people that left the five-star reviews and... Uh, few of you did that so we'll definitely prioritize those those are coming up today but i gotta get some initial preseason thoughts because i don't remember being this excited for a raptor season it feels so fresh and it feels like there are endless possibilities and there are so many question marks and it actually reminds me a little bit of an nfl training camp where you go in and there are actually jobs to be had and not that you know someone's going to get cut from this roster or that the major players are not going to get their rotation minutes. 
But I do think that there is an edge of, hey, there's a lot of wing players on this team. There are a lot of guards on this team. You want to get minutes, you're going to have to play well. You're going to have to show some chemistry with people. There's a different level of compete. Uh, There's a different feel in the air with this Raptors team. And I thought it was apt that they started in a preseason game in front of a sold-out crowd in Vancouver, about 19,000 people, just showing that, hey, the games are going to matter this year in a way that probably they never did before. I mean, this is apt that we're starting this way. Because I could not disagree with you more. <laughs> the, the, okay. the NBA preseason is nothing I know it's like the, least, I know the it's NFL the least, preseason. It's the or worst preseason there is. Baseball, you're like, oh, is this guy going to be our fifth starter? So you don't think that there's, a bit, there's minutes on the line for this Raptors team? History is, can be our friend, right? If we look at last year, what was the oh, the, the, the fight for mm-hmm. minutes? Oh my goodness, who's going to start at the Turned team? out to be true. Norman Powell or CJ Miles? No, it didn't turn out to be true at all. Because neither of them started. Yeah. It was OG. And down the stretch. Down the stretch, what? Right. Down the stretch, it ended up being OG Ananobi, but the job the was stretch, won started, by Norm Powell. And he Kane. started 62 games. Right. That was more than well, stretch. It was, more than <laughs> it was, this, it was like down the stretch. 20. Down the stretch was not the way to put it. You're right. <laughs> down the, down stretch. the stretch was a stretch. <laughs> Anyways, my, the point is, I think because we're talking about these things for the first time that we, oh my goodness, let's look at the rotations. Let's, let's analyze this. Yeah. Let's start. The season is so long that mm-hmm. this stuff is going to bear itself out. People are going to play themselves in and out of the rotation. Injury is going to happen. Trade happens. Mm-hmm. And you kind of are who you are. This is not like two years ago. Is Brady Heslop going to be on the Raptors? Like, oh, that's a fun story. We no. know who the 12 guys are mm-hmm. who are going to play for this team. And really the 11 that are going to play for this team. And maybe in what situations do they play? Maybe that changes who you're closing the lineup. That might change, but that's all going to be fluid throughout the year. So yep. for me, preseason is more about how do guys look? How does that guy's body look? How is he moving on the court? And the only thing I took from the one game was how does Kawhi look physically? How does Kyle look emotionally? That, that was the only thing that I got from it. So let's start with those then, because I think Kawhi Leonard is what we all came to hear about and what we're all going to be hyper-focused on in the preseason. And for me, I actually thought that he looked very comfortable. I don't care that he didn't hit a three-point shot, but he went to the free throw line. He shot 11 free throws. Yeah, he missed five of them. Yes, he did. Like, again, his jumper looks a little clunky, even though that step back was gorgeous. That was very nice. Poor, I can't remember whose ankles he broke on the Trailblazers, but kind of embarrassed him with a bit of a step back. That was clearly his highlight. That and the transition give and go with Kyle Lowry. But he looked healthy, and he took a bump. He hit the deck, and he played through it on the very next possession. I think that as of right now, I have no concerns as to Kawhi Leonard's health. Yeah, neither do I. And watching him play, so you know, you're playing pickup, you're playing rec league, and there's a guy who not necessarily has the tightest handles or the most skilled, but he's just the best athlete. And he just Mm -hmm. is able to get himself in situations, get his body contorted the way he needs to, get the ball in spots, and figure out a way to put the ball in the hole because he's the best athlete. And he can get stops and he can smother things and he can clean things up defensively because he's just the best athlete. Kawhi Leonard was by far just the best athlete on the floor. And considering he played nine games last year, I think that's a good thing that we're still saying that about him. I think that's true. I think that it was actually the polar opposite. It was Kawhi Leonard is the best athlete on the floor in that game and Myers Leonard is probably the worst athlete in that game. So yeah, Kawhi looked good. Kyle Lowry looked like he just picked up where he left off, which was... I thought Kyle played great in the playoffs last year in the Washington series. There was moments where he was the best player. And in the Cleveland series, he was the Raptors star player that ended up actually giving you good minutes. 
where are you with their give and go and give and go and give and go play? Loved that it. that could have been a highlight and then kind of wasn't. Yeah, but I love it because both those guys are probably a little hyper aware in this moment of how they're being perceived. They have to be cognizant that everyone is looking at them and saying, your chemistry is what's going to matter more than anything on this team. Like, we're going to break down things today again in the mailbag and moving forward all season about who's going to be the 12th man and who's going to be the third wing and who's going to get the backup point guard minutes. Who's going to start at the four? Yeah, what matters the most? How do Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard mesh? How do these two play together? Do they figure each other out on the fly? And that's what I was going to say. This team actually reminds me, people are going to hate this analogy. I don't mean in terms of ceiling. I don't mean in terms of top end talent, but they remind me a little bit of when the Miami heat first got together, when it was the big three in Miami for this reason alone, that I don't think that we're going to have a real understanding of the team until December or January, that there's going to be so much feeling out between this team and Kawhi Leonard and Danny green and trying to figure out what the starting lineup is and trying to figure out what the closing lineups are and who has chemistry and trying to work in Kawhi Leonard to this offense and with Kyle Lowry that it's just going to take a long time. It's not going to be a training camp thing where all of a sudden Kyle and Kawhi look like Kyle and DeMar, where they know where each other is on the floor and they know where to go and they know the entire playbook. Like I was reading Eric Kareen's piece the other day and he was saying that Nick Nurse's playbook has about 100 plays. And right now they're trying to pare it down to about 10 because they want to keep things simple for Kawhi Leonard. And I'm like, well, how long does it take to do that 10 times over? And I would think that it's going to be a few months. Isn't this team the opposite of the Heat? In what way? Well, the Heat was a bunch of different guys coming together, going from bad to championship expectations right away. But the base was that they all liked each other. No, no, no. Of course. They all were friends. This is the nucleus being the same, adding a couple pieces. The real strong bond of friendship is now broken. Mm -hmm. Whether you're talking about Kyle and DeMar or Yak and Skills. R.I.P. And there was already a high bar as far as success. They won the most games ever in the history of the franchise last year. But people are seeing if they can replicate that or even just take it up slightly a notch. Yeah, from a overall narrative standpoint, in terms of expectations, it's wildly different. I just mean in terms of we didn't really know what that Miami team was until later in the year. We didn't have really any clue. And actually... The problem with that Miami team and why they didn't win in the finals is because they still didn't figure out what the superstar dynamic was going to be down the stretch. LeBron, that's the only time where I felt like the LeBron James criticism was fair in his career because he was still deferring too much to Dwayne Wade and he never took over in that series. And it was the big reason why they ended up losing it. And so for the Raptors, it's going to be very important to figure out the dynamic of who is the alpha out of Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard And how are they going to be most comfortable playing with each other? And that's going to be the biggest fun of the first few months of the season. Well, for that reason, I think you you hit on a good point of who is the alpha. And I think that question is answered automatically if you just listen to them talk. It's Personality-wise, it's clear. That's what it means, Mm -hmm. right? But you think in crunch time with this team that it's going to be Kyle Lowry that takes the vast majority of the possessions or that's going to be where they go down to the ISO at the end of the year, who's who's going to have the rock? It's going to be Kawhi. It may finish with Kawhi, but it could start with Kyle. Kyle's mm-hmm. incredibly smart. And even though he has been an alpha, there's been many times when there are late shots where he's turned them down when he hasn't had it going. So I'm not worried about that per se. For me, the comp, and not because I think it's similar, I think the comp because I think it's going to be the opposite, is Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And what just happened there, you brought in a star and you tried to assimilate him with the stars that you already have. That didn't go well. Jimmy Butler came in, peacock, big chest. Let me show you guys how to do this. I'm going to take you to the promised land. 
And the two stars that were already there were like well, two the, stars. The two guys were paid like stars. Okay. I think there's a big difference between those two things, but yeah. The two prominent players, the two guys were on the side of the building. We're already there. We're like, yeah, okay. I mean, sure, we haven't gone to the promised land in the West, but you're on some bad teams in the East, my dude. Like, what have you done? So Mm -hmm. that clearly was oil and water to start. Kawhi barely speaks. Mm -hmm. So he is someone who actually has a championship pedigree, actually has rings, who I honestly believe, Norman Powell and OG and Ananobi, if they're smart, are going to be begging him for knowledge. But it's not in his nature to be barking orders. And so Kyle fully can be the vocal alpha, fully can be 1A coach along with Nick Nurse because that's not necessarily in, in Kawhi's nature. Kawhi just wants to play basketball and get buckets. You know what, though? I think Kyle Lowry is really smart. I think he's one of the smartest players in the league. I think he recognizes that if he's going to have a lot of success and if he's going to reach a championship, the best avenue for that is if Kawhi Leonard re-signs and plays with the Raptors next year as well and that they have a two-year window and not just a one-year window. And so I wonder how he's going to manage that relationship as well. I wonder where the gives and takes are going to be with he and Kawhi Leonard. All we know right now through that one preseason game is that the chemistry between them is going to be emphasized by Nick Nurse. All of their 19 minutes, the two of them played together. They didn't play a minute apart, and they were successful in those minutes. I think they were something like a plus 10, and they finished with a combined 27 points. That's going to be the major emphasis of this preseason, is that those two guys playing together and those two guys trying to get as many minutes and as many possessions together as possible. But you can be smart, but pride blinds us all. For sure. And two days in a row, He's a wild for card. whatever not reason, a he did not want to talk to the media, which I guess it's not a big deal. I mean, he didn't want to talk to the media. But it kind of is a big deal because it's not that hard to talk to the media for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, but you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when your friend goes through a breakup with a girl that you like or a guy that you like. And you need to be protective of that friend by showing that you have no love for that other person. And I think that the person in the breakup that Kyle is closest to is Damar. Yes. Even though he plays on the Toronto Raptors. And so he needs to be protective of his friend by saying, I've got your back right now while you're still healing. I will not have communications publicly with this other person being the Toronto Raptors. And I think the media works as an extension of them in this situation. But I mean, the trade happened in the summer. Yeah. We are now in the fall. Yeah, but this is like, be, the, yeah, but this is the start of the Raptors regular season. He has to at least show his friend DeMar DeRozan so, that he's pissed he's gone. So not talking to yes. 11 media members yep. for two days in Vancouver is... Something. It, really? Yeah. Like DeMar feels better? I don't know. In San Maybe. Antonio because DeMar, do you think that DeMar is completely balanced when it comes to his feelings right now? Like he has was very emotional when he was traded from the Toronto Raptors. But do you think DeMar is scrolling on Bleacher Report? I mean, like, yes. oh, good. Kyle didn't say anything to Raptors Republic I today. I think DeMar DeRozan is the popular version of Kevin Durant. <laughs> that he is just as much on social media as anyone else. He's got a very active Instagram so, account. He's very cryptic with his online stuff. You honestly believe Kyle didn't talk to the media for two days because DeMar DeRozan was going to feel some type of way if he spoke to yeah, the media. Yeah, because I think that some of those media members probably wrote favorably about the Kawhi Leonard thing. Okay. Kyle Lowry also, because of the way that the Raptors went out and the way that everything transpired in the offseason, I think that part of it has to do with Kyle Lowry is admitted. I told you, last time I was at Media Day, the first thing he said was, I read everything during the offseason. I read everything everybody wrote about me. And I think he does that every offseason. I think he takes it all in. I think he uses that type of passion to fuel him. And so he's probably still sour at some media members. There's a reason why he didn't take Masai Ujiri's calls this offseason, and it's because he's showing faith or friendship to DeMar DeRozan. 
and that those two things are interlinked. But him saying on Wednesday and Thursday, I'm not talking today, I'll talk to you Friday. That's not that hard of a stance. Mm. You're saying, I'm not talking today, but I'm going to talk. Like, it's not like he said, I'm not time. talking for the rest of the year. Yeah. But you so, think you're going to get a lot out of him? Like Le'Veon Bell, I'm not coming week one or two, but I'll see you week three. Like, <laughs> top hold down. That would have made a lot of difference. Okay, so just quick before we get to the mailbag, I'll just say these couple of things. So they go with the weird starting lineup. It does not include Jonas Valanciunas. He comes off the bench, but this is going to be fluid. I don't think we should spend any time on it as of right now because it'll be something that I think is a little incorporated in the mailbag, but let's acknowledge that. And lastly, lastly, DeLon Wright looks a little bit more jacked, and I hope he gets more minutes. And this is just my initial me standing for him to say, free DeLon Wright, free DeLon Wright. Okay, those minutes are going to have to... Come at someone else's expense? Yes. I'm okay with that. I don't know how many guys on this team are better than DeLon Wright. I really don't. Do you have any uh, takeaway that you wanted to well, share I mean, before you, we move you, to the mailbag? You could rank them right now if you'd like to. Uh, I'll Maybe I'll do that in the mailbag. Okay. Okay, so you ready or you got anything else? No, let's go. All right, let's do the mailbag. Again, thank you to those that use the hashtag FAMB. That got, uh, I don't know if you have any separate ones that people just tweeted at you. I'm just going to go with the ones that I got and the ones that, of course, are in the iTunes mentions. We'll probably do this again, this format. So if you did miss out and you got some questions and you want to get at us, just shoot us the tweet. Just put one in the iTunes, put a question, put the five-star review, and we'll probably come back around to, to more stuff like this. We'll see how you guys respond to it. Let me start with the comments because this is probably one of the most important questions coming into the season. So this is from TCB Germs. Says, who would be your guys starting five and closing five? It's tough. So I think, again, that we're going to see all kinds of different lineups, and we're really not going to know. But if I just went with my gut right now, what I think would probably be the most effective, I would take Jonas Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry as my starting unit because I, I want to value chemistry over things to start the season. And I think that for the most part, you have the best of both worlds with that starting unit. You get Kyle Lowry, obviously still with Kawhi. Both those guys are naturally starting. But you put Danny Green, the one guy who's played with Kawhi Leonard, who's a smart veteran, who can give you some shooting, who can give you some defense with Kawhi and give him another guy who knows how to play off of him well. And I think it's going to be important that Kawhi Leonard also learns how to play with Jonas Valanciunas because I think that those two are going to be deadly. They're going to be lethal in offensive units together. You have two guys who can be stoppers in Danny Green and in Kawhi Leonard. You have Serge Ibaka, who I don't think, like, I don't know if the jury's out yet on what he is as a starting five or a starting four. And you get to keep kind of a lot of the elements of your bench mob together in that second unit. I think there'll be more mixing and matching, but that's kind of who I would go with. When it comes to closing five, that's going to be super interesting. That's the way more important question, right? Like, who cares who starts? Because the Raptors have 12 good guys. And I don't even think that's going to be a guarantee of minutes. If I had to project who I think it's going to be, I think it's Kyle Lowry and Kawhi are the two absolute lock of locks. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I think that it's going to be Fred Van Vliet still because Fred Van Vliet, we saw with the second unit last year, has that poise where late in games, he gives you another ball handler, he gives you shooting, and he's still a good defensive player. So it's hard for me to envision that he's not part of those closing five units. I think the other guy is Pascal Siakam that I would put down in pen. He's such a good transition player. He's so active defensively. He allows you to switch on everything. And it gives you the most flexibility moving forward. So I think that he'll be there in the vast majority of them. And then I think it comes down to Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi. And OG will have his opportunity to play his way into that closing lineup, to be yet another stopper 
based on, I think, how good his shooting is this year. And if he can continue to be a really lights-out shooter, I don't see how he doesn't end up in those closing five units. And that the Raptors go super small in most cases. I think I'd go small. That's my best closing five. Again, it'll be very fluid based on matchups. Yeah, I think I'd go small both to start and finish. Although, and this pains me to say this, although I think Jonas Valanciunas is one of the best five basketball players on this team, I don't necessarily know if the most optimal situation has him starting. We saw him with 70.7 rebounds off the bench. I think him just eating against backup bigs and more importantly, giving that backup unit a break glass. We can throw it into the post and you can make yourself a a bucket guy. I think gives a, a group in the bench mob, someone that they can trust down low and someone who can get them some points when they're struggling and their ability to switch cleans up some of his, uh, his lack of mobility defensively. I think the most optimal situation to start given. I love, I like JV coming off the bench is Serge Baca. And and some would say, well, why wouldn't you bring Serge off the bench and start JV? Well, I mean, I think we're talking about trade chips. I think Serge as a starter is more interesting to other teams as a trade chip than, than potentially coming off the bench. And I think people would be more palatable seeing JV coming off the bench because he's younger in his ascension as an NBA player Surge at the five, Siakam at the four. Starting? Yep. OG at the three, and then Kawhi and, and Lowry. To close games, I agree. I like Fred and Heavy Kyle. Heavy defensive lineup, your as, starting group. Well, I need to get stops. But so is my closing lineup. Kyle and Fred in the backcourt beside Kawhi and Danny Green, who's giving me some shooting late, and just a smart guy who I can trust with the ball, trust not to make mistakes. And then... My big, who's not that big, who I end games with, is Siakam. And I'm playing super small. This is a hard question to answer because I really do think it'll be matchup driven. I think that it's going to be riding hot hands. I think they're going to have a lot of trying to figure this out through the season. But for the most part, I think the Raptors will close with smaller lineups. I agree. I think that there will be an emphasis on on shooting and that the, the guys that can switch on everything and the guys that present the most defensive flexibility. And I think Nurse's offense is going to produce points on its own Mm -hmm. so now i'm looking for lineups who to close games regardless whether or not you have a lead and you just need to get stops to see it through or you're coming from behind thus you need to get stops to keep the number with which you need to close that deficit at a small one i love that group being able to switch everything uh next up comes from i'm really sorry about this bro that's quite the handle shilajan raja i hope i got that somewhat close at shilajan He tweeted, where do you project the Raptors to finish on the defensive side of the ball? Over, under, on points allowed per game. Hashtag FAMB. Well, as far as rank, I don't see how they're not a top five. And really, it would be a disappointment. They're not a top three defensive team. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Warriors are going to be all that engaged. I think the Rockets gave away two of their best defenders. And so for me, it's the Jazz, it's the Celtics, and it's the Raptors as far as elite defenses in the NBA. So... What I love about this Raptors team, and this was pointed out by John Schumann in his latest, which I think people should go and read. It's on NBA.com. But he pointed out that the Raptors now have a stopper on the floor at all times. That that's something that they didn't have last year. Now you'll always have one of Kawhi or OG Ananobi on the floor at all times. And I think that as of right now, I'll give even the benefit of the doubt to Danny Green that he is still one of the better defensive wings in the NBA. But OG or Kawhi should be on the floor at all times. And Siakam is very close there as well. 
that those three guys or those four guys, one of them should be on the floor at all times. And I think that's really going to change the Raptors because of what they were last year, which hurt their defensive ranking. Again, they ended up as a top five team in defense, but it's because they hammered all those bottom 20 offenses, right? The Raptors defense allowed 16 more points per game per 100 possessions against the league's top 10 offenses. And I think that the reason that you'll see a big shift in that is adding Kawhi Leonard, another year of OG Ananobi, and having Pascal Siakam and Danny Green, and just the defensive flexibility of these lineups. I think that the Raptors opposing star players on really good teams are going to have a lot more difficulty scoring on them. Add that to the fact that Cleveland lost LeBron James, and that's just a couple of your games now a year where you're not facing one of the worst offensive forces in the league. Yeah, I think that the Raptors are absolutely going to be one of the top five defensive teams again, but I think that the most important thing is you're going to see them drastically improve against those top offenses. Forget about having a stopper. Like, just take that out of the equation. Good point, but forget about it. Just not Ouch. having... Just not having someone who immediately compromises your defense that other guys have to constantly think about, constantly have to rotate and recover and help for playing 30 plus minutes a night. Mm -hmm. That alone helps your defense. Like you just put a league average player there and the person we're talking about is DeMar DeRozan. That alone helps your defense from being compromised often on defensive possessions. Yeah, I think that's where you're going to see the biggest swing in DeMar DeRozan or having that shift. From DeMar DeRozan. Uh, this one from SL underscore 16. Uh, he's at AM34 underscore fanboy. Hockey guy. If Kawhi stays healthy for the year, do you think he can become the first MVP in Raptors history? Yep. I mean, he was third in MVP voting a couple years ago. And, I mean, I people say, oh, the market. I mean, DeRozan was eighth in mm-hmm. MVP voting. So, it, it's not just the market. Yeah, he's got narrative, and he's going to have a cast around him that is going to put him in a position to win a lot of games. And that's the other thing you need. So a hundred percent he can. I think that the MVP award is really, really narrative based. And I think that the league looks at it as to who do we need to recognize now? Because LeBron James is, I think only won four or five of them. And he's been in the league now for 15 seasons. And there has not just only been five years where LeBron James has been the best player or been the most valuable player to his team. James Harden absolutely deserved it this year, but there was no question he was going to get it because he was passed over the year before. And they were like, yep, we got to make good on this. Same goes for Russell Westbrook the year before. I think that there was a real element of Russell Westbrook getting the award because Kevin Durant had left and he had put that team on his shoulders and tried to carry them, even if it was not in the most effective way. So for that reason, I think that LeBron is probably the MVP favorite going into this season because that Lakers team is going to go from I don't know, like 30-some wins to probably top four in the Western Conference. And I think LeBron James is the type of guy who elevates everyone around him in a way that it's going to be a Steve Nash-esque MVP from LeBron James. I think Anthony Davis is in that camp as well of narrative and ability where he is going to be on a crappy Pelicans team. He's going to drag them to the playoffs yet again. Like, who's the Pelicans' third best player after Drew Holiday? Etwan Moore? Is Miritich. It, okay, Miritich, Julius Randle. Like, it's not exactly a murderer's row of, of great players on the New Orleans Pelicans. If he can stay healthy and he puts together the numbers that he did last year, I think that he gets MVP. But if I was going to go third, I think that the narrative and the ability fits Kawhi Leonard. The problem is, is that I think the Raptors are going to be cautious with the way they handle him. 
that they're so deep that he's not going to get the minutes of a guy like Anthony Davis, who's going to be leaned on as much, and that people will look at the Toronto Raptors and say, well, look at all the things he has around him and look at the conference. But I do think there's a real case for him. Like, I, I look at the Boston Celtics. I don't see how anyone on the Celtics wins it. I don't see how Kyrie, what Kyrie Irving's path is to it. I think that the Sixers have a similar thing where it's going to be really difficult for one of those two guys to go out and grab it. No, I think there's one guy. You think, can get him. what, Ben? No. You think it's Joel Embiid has oh, the more likely case? Yeah. I just, his health always scares me. and His plus minus numbers are yeah. ridiculous. I mean, this is obviously contingent on him mm-hmm. playing a lot of games and them being, you know, one, two, or even a really competitive three in the East. But his plus minus numbers are crazy. He could be the leading all-star vote getter in the East now that LeBron has left. So, I think so the Sixers got to finish first in the East for him to win. Yeah, well, they could. I, th- I think they got to. So I would say that out of my choices... Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James would be my four top picks if I got to pick an MVP, but Kawhi would probably be my fourth. I meant to say Giannis before Kawhi, but Kawhi has a chance. I think that there's a, there's a realistic shot there. Um, let's get to this one because it still hasn't happened yet, and hopefully this, isn't, this is a quick one, but this is from Chris Logel. What are the Raptors' chances they could use Serge or Jonas to land Jimmy Butler? Whichever one isn't traded becomes the starting center. You'd have to continue. Yeah. Like Serge or Jonas and plus, plus, plus. I'll say 0%. I think that the Wolves want the world, and I think that the Raptors are ready to move on to their season. They're happy with what they have, and that adding another player to that mix is not something Masai Ujiri's looking to do right now. I think they're set. You don't think he wants to add Jimmy Butler? No, I think that he would under the perfect circumstances. But as you just said, I don't think that JV or Serge is enough to get it done. And I just think that there's a lot of new stuff going on right now. I mentioned that they've already got the playbook pared down. There's already questions about chemistry. There's already questions about who the alpha or who the final shot taker is going to be. I just think that the Raptors have already added a really combustible new element in Kawhi Leonard. And that at this point the juice probably isn't worth the squeeze for Jimmy Butler. And it certainly does not start with Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas. Unless Towns, because really this looks like it's going to be an owner-led mm-hmm. trade. Unless Towns Which is terrifying went for Timberwolves fans. It is. Joe Smith, the con era. Unless Towns says, hey, listen, man, I'm a power forward. I'm not a center. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan said this at one point in his career. Anthony Davis said this and then reversed back. Go get me someone to bang because I, I want to shoot some threes. I want to play on the perimeter. I want to be a playmaker. And the owner's like, all right, well, I guess JV is going to be crashing the boards for my team with whatever young person you want to throw into the deal. Unless something like that happened, that it doesn't really make sense. Mm-mm. Having said that, something's got to give in Minnesota. So I think the Raptors could have put together a trade package. I just think at this point, you've got a really good roster. You've got star players. There is a case for Jimmy Butler, and I'll hear it, and I've thought about it a lot. I just, to me, uh, if I'm a Sayujiri, unless it's so cheap that I just can't turn away from it, I'm just deciding to move on. I'm not making phone calls about it anymore. Maybe I'm checking in every like week, but uh, I'm not actively pursuing it. I'm not, certainly not offering the world. He's got to become a Clipper, no? Like by the end of this week? If I was, it, honestly. Tobias Harris and whatever one of these guards you want? Uh, that's what I'm doing. If I'm the Clippers, I'm fine with losing the final year of Tobias Harris to to facilitate that trade. Plus, it works with the Timberwolves. I just can't believe it hasn't happened already. And based on that, it's going to happen before this podcast goes out. Yeah, this going to be completely irrelevant. Uh, this is from Easternian Garnett. This was in the iTunes page. So thanks for that. Thanks for the five-star review. First of all, I learned what a podcast is because of you guys. Great commentaries about the state of the Raptors basketball. My question is... What can you say about the U.S. sports media has already anointed the Boston Celtics as the favorites to come out of the East? 
I think it's fair. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't think that the Celtics are the favorites to come out of the East. I think that the Raptors have a really good shot to come out, but just look at their rotation right now. Look at what they're adding to a team that gave this, the Cavaliers a legitimate scare last year, Put, look, took them to seven games. Look at the Celtics against the Cavs in the playoffs and look at the Raptors against the Cavs in the playoffs. And I think people have forgotten how good Gordon Hayward is. I think that's going to be one of the early season narratives is that as another ball handler in that offense, as another floor spacer in that offense, someone who's underrated defensively, that when he steps in with Brad Stevens in that it, reuniting with Brad Stevens, people are going to be like, oh, right, that guy is really, really damn good. Factor in Jason Tatum's projection as a as a second-year player and the steps that he can take. Factor in Jalen Brown continuing to grow as is in that six-man role, having a guy like Terry Rozier off the bench, having a guy like Marcus Smart off the bench. They're a little bit more top-heavy than the Raptors from a balance standpoint, and I think that their rotation is a little bit clearer, and then their head coach has proven as the best in the league. So I don't think there's any disrespect for the Raptors narrative, and I certainly don't think there is that this year. I think a lot of outlets are interested in them. I wish they were playing on Christmas Day, but... I think the Celtics are fairly projected as the number one team to come out of the Eastern Conference, and the Raptors will have every opportunity to unseat them. They can control their own narrative. This is from Dansor125 in the iTunes ratings. Do people understand that if the Kawhi signing doesn't work, that we just wait another year until Lowry and Ibaka are off the books and we rebuild? I'm okay with that. Are you? Yes, except for I don't view it as a rebuild even moving forward. Look at the pieces that they'll still have on that roster. Jonas Valanciunas, Fred Van Vliet, They'll probably resign Delon Wright. They'll have OG Ananobi. They'll have Pascal Siakam. There's going to be some really good pieces here for the Toronto Raptors that if they can sign some free agent, they can convince someone to come. I think they won't have the ceiling that they have with a guy like Kawhi Leonard. That it'll be tough for them to find a guy that was as good as Kyle Lowry was during his tenure here. But that this team isn't going to drop off and follow the playoffs and all of a sudden be a lottery team looking to to get assets that way. Well, and this is why they want the course that they went because if they were to quote-unquote, rebuild. Their young guys are too good. They wouldn't allow them to be bad enough to stockpile one high lottery pick, never mind a couple. So that's why you're looking at a reload. And really what you're doing is trying to refresh your books, get that big money off the table, and try and entice some new all-stars, some younger all-stars to come here, be the face of the team, and play with that cast that you've organically developed. And that's why you have... Raptors 905, that's why you've put a lot of money and time and effort into scouting and development is so that you've got that base so that you don't have to go back in the wilderness like some franchise do. Yeah, I, I think that the Raptors are, for the time being, during the Masai Ujiri era, they're done being a team that is at the bottom of the standings and looking for lottery picks. He's been on record over and over and over again that they're trying to build a winner here, and this is the philosophy he believes in, that you win by having competitive teams and not by trying to bottom out and, and hope that a lottery ball breaks your way. Yeah, he's he's never missed the playoffs, so I think that yeah. should be instructive on, on how he feels. Plus, about even, again, if they did move off him, if you're talking about rebuild, then, yeah, now you got to trade players. Like The Raptors are good enough. Look at the rest of the Eastern Conference right now. How many of the Toronto Raptors would be starters on the Orlando Magic? Like, all? Every single one? Who's not starting on the Magic? Who's not starting on the vast majority of these teams? Think about the point guard depth of the of the Detroit Pistons compared to the point guard depth of the Toronto Raptors. Like it's just going to be impossible for them to just completely fall off the map and and be in a quote unquote rebuild. Uh, this one from Michael Desjardins at M Desjardins ninety one. Whose role on the team will change the most from last season to this one? I'm going to say it's CJ Miles because CJ Miles last year was the bench dad. He came in as the big acquisition and. 
the Raptors absolutely needed his three-point shooting. Now there's a lot more shooting on this team, and there's more shooting that gives you more on defense. And on a team that's deep with wing players, I believe Norm Powell will carve out some type of a role, that he will get some kind of minutes, that he won't just be a complete write-off this year. I think him coming in and being a comfortable bench player, someone that knows that he's going to come in, give you some energy, give you a little bit of shooting, give you some aggressive takes to the basket, that he's going to find himself again. And maybe he's not worth $40 million over four years, but that he's going to have some value to you. I think that Danny Green is going to be good because I think that Danny Green is a good two-way player. And I think that maybe he's not the three-point shooter that CJ Miles is. Maybe he's not as dead-eye, not as good of a specialist, but that because, again, he's close enough and plays defense that he'll be getting those minutes. I think Kawhi Leonard, in a lot of spots, is going to need time at the three. OG Ananobi is going to need time at the three. I can kind of see a scenario where CJ Miles is the guy that goes from being a reliable multi-minute bench player to a guy that's very much on the fringes of this roster, if not as someone that's traded to create more balance on this team. My initial thought would be CJ Miles, because it could be his role changes pro or con, right? I mean, you saw him start in the preseason. How do you see it changing pro? Because he can flat out shoot the ball. And that's but so one thing. more guys on this team now. Yeah, but but not like him. Mm, Danny Green's pretty close, man. True, but he, Kawhi Leonard is but, but Danny, when he was healthy but, but, was pretty damn but close. But Danny Green had an off year shooting the ball last year. Mind yeah. you, he was hurt. We'll see if he bounces back. But the point is, he's a dead eye shooter, and that's a skill that Nick Nurse loves. And so everything you say about his defense is true. But I think the thing that brings him back to even is the fact that Nurse values being able to not not just shoot the ball, but just being able to provide some gravity so that other things can happen on the floor. If we're going to acknowledge that Danny Green had a down year in three-point shooting, though, what do you think his three-point percentage was and what was C.J. Miles? I think they both were around 37%. They were. They were almost dead even. C.J. Miles shot at 36.1. Danny Green shot at 36.3. They were almost even. They were almost exact. C.J. shot it two more times a game, but I don't think that there's a large enough gap there that's going to justify playing C.J. Miles. He'll come in in certain situations. He'll get some looks and some lineups. They won't dismiss him completely. Again, there's going to be a lot of fluidity, but I have a tough time seeing how he sticks. If And I, I'm a norm believer. Like I just I believe that there is something to Norm Powell's game and that he will be able to find a way to carve himself back into this roster. I know we, uh, we got to run, but uh, just a, one or two more quick ones here. What do you think will be the biggest change from Nick Nurse to Dwayne Casey? I think it's going to be something we saw in the preseason yesterday. The Raptors took eight mid-range shots. Eight mid-range shots yesterday. And there's a big part of that is no DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, I was going to say. That DeMar is going to limit that. But I looked it up. Last year, the Raptors took 1,000, 1,011 mid-range shots. And I think that number is going to decrease very drastically. Their defense, I think, is going to be a little bit more aggressive. But ultimately, we're going to judge Nick Nurse on what he does with his offense because that's his background. And I think with his offense, he's going to gauge this thing much more towards a Houston Rockets style where he was part of their G League affiliate of get shots at the rim, go to the free throw line, or take threes. And they've got the personnel to do it. And I think that they've got the coach that's going to put that into practice. And that will be the main emphasis of this team. And again, personnel helps because they have more personnel to do that this year. But I think that there's going to be more of an emphasis from the playbook standpoint. The nature of not having DeMar Rosen here is going to impact regardless. I think offensively, I think the biggest thing you're going to see, we saw a little bit in the preseason, is the bigs becoming playmakers. I think that's going to be huge for Pascal and his ascension because he's someone who can already do it. 
like a little baby Draymond, but mm-hmm. I think we saw JV passing out of the high post. Maybe not Serge passing out of the high post, but, you know, doing dribble handoffs and then having a brush screen and then stepping back and maybe shooting a three. I think the bigs being a part of the offense and facilitating the movement off ball but by, you know, the wings and the small guys around them is something that we saw a little bit last year, right? And now I feel like Nurse is able to unleash that and you have all of that that movement off the ball and and you know screening off of the ball happening where you you get wide open shots. No, I, I think that you will see definitely a more empowered Jonas Valanciunas. It is interesting that a guy who is a offensive innovator in a league that's getting smaller and more switch heavy and shooter heavy, he values Jonas Valanciunas a lot. He's been on record as being a big fan of his. That's what part of the reason why I don't think the Raptors would be wanting to include him in a package, not only because he's their best rebounder and best guy around the rim and best guy in the pick and roll, but just that I think they're going to find more ways to involve JV offensively this year. That that will be very pleasantly surprised as to what he's able to do. And it won't be quite the preseason look where, you know, he's carrying the ball up the floor and shoveling outlet passes, but that JV will be empowered this year. And that's going to be a big part of the Nick Nurse offense. You got to get to your fancy gala. I do get to go to Twitter um, yeah, this was fun. I actually really like doing that. Again, you can always uh, get in the comments. You can leave a five-star review on iTunes page. And you can also tweet us at J.D. Bunkus, at Donovan Bennett, or at our producer. It's at Emil Delich. At Amand Delich. At Amand Delich. Come on at, now. At Amand Delich. A man. <laughs> yeah, Do- Donovan's uh, better at Twitter than me. But yeah, our producer looks at them too. And uh, Was at Emil Delich taken? Yeah, we'll answer the or question. Or you just want... Really? Okay, all right. It was taken. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure there's an Emil Delich out there that beat you to it. You just get listen. That's you. I was able to get Donovan Bennett. Yeah. I'm at a man Delich. Tweet him there. That's your best bet to get him on there. Uh, thanks again for everybody who listened. And good luck at your gala tonight, Mr. Fancy Pants. This Thank is you. Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. Yeah. I got to give you the truth. I don't want none of these problems. It is heavy. I've been wearing my options. I hope my family is listening. Stop me from visiting And I get a text from Meridian She know every insecurity Other people try to help Just ain't getting it Calling friends Just to see what's been up with them Hello You have reached the Sprint voicemail box of... There goes another one I just wanna see a face on the call Other women wouldn't keep me on pause Readjusting when she wasn't involved Now I'm learning what to do And I'm lost Now I'm 27